Download the app, Bet Big, Win Bigger. And I got to tell you, I really like the sound of that. And with WinBet, it's just that easy. WinBet has what you need to win. So if you're from Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, or right here in Virginia, sign up today to receive this special offer. New users can take advantage of WinBet's bet $50 to win $200. Just bet $50 and win $200 in free bets. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com. Download the app, bet big, and win bigger. Let's get after it. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older and present in a state where win bet is available. Gambling problem? In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia, call 1-800-GAMBLER. And in Michigan, 1-800-270-7117. Tennessee, y'all too. 1-800-889-9789. Welcome to the Greenlight Podcast. That's my best wrestling announcing impression because today is Goldberg Day at Greenlight. The wrestler Bill Goldberg joins and he runs through about five lifetimes of career memories. Goldberg talks about what he's up to now, some upcoming projects, and his brand new nutritional partnership he's announcing. One of the most decorated wrestlers in history, he talks about transitioning from pro football into wrestling, some of his favorite memories from the ring, a couple viral moments he was involved in, his movie career. And then Chris, Nate, and Goldberg get a little serious in talking about retirement from the ring and from the gridiron and how we can ease that transition. the top uh again we've got bill goldberg here who's one of uh, both of our heroes i mean like if you were a dude in the 90s like you know he's like a badass uh uncle or something he feels like he's part of your family you watch him wrestle i so feel much. like if you watch wrestling uh, at all at some point you speared your friend your brother <laughs> your cousin maybe your sister <laughs> but yeah. you definitely used you had bill goldberg on the brain and what was cool for me and i was just telling goldberg this be- before he popped on here was i have an autograph i have like an eight by ten from from goldberg because my pops hooked me up and i always really liked him because i associated him with my dad and the guys that i knew growing up because he was an NFL player yeah. and then a wrestler. So uh, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing great, man. Uh, first and foremost, it's an honor and a privilege to be on, uh, not only because of who your father is, but the um, wonderful career that you guys had. And uh, hats off, man. It's just it's been too long. Thanks, brother. Thank you so much. And I, I want to plug this first off because you're still in great shape. What are we tipping the scales at these days? I think are you like 265. Yeah, I'm right. I'm right about 265, 270. I'm trying to get back up. You know, oh, wow. I, have, I, I, I know. may have to work again one of these days. But I um, know, I know what 265 looks like. That's kind of. <laughs> no, I never looked as good at 265, and he's in his 50s. But holy shit! But he's he's got this new pre-workout powder, a bunch of other stuff. Tell us about um, 
gallant here uh, in what you're doing with some of the. I mean, there's CBD in some of this stuff. Yeah, so I just pop my ears gummies. Up. Yeah, the gummies. I just pop one of these gummies and just taste off the taste. It's really good. Sometimes yeah. some of this stuff is not really easy to Tastes take good, down, huh? but. Uh -huh. Those are the chill gummies, man. You got to do them at night. Right? Well, you don't have to do them at night. You can do them 24-7, man. It just keeps you kind of on an even plane. But, yeah, they are really good. And so the problem is. You is can't take too many of them. You can't take too many, right? You'll just be completely on, on cruise control. But, you know, uh, you guys know uh, anytime you make it to a certain area in your life to where companies reach out and they want you to put their name on their product, you gotta, you gotta be really, uh, you gotta be really stringent in the process. And I don't want to be associated with anybody who doesn't represent me and the standards that I have. Um, you guys can understand that, yeah. you know. So, um, at, at 55 years old, at, at the uh, juncture of my life when I'm trying to repair all the shit that I've done to my body, um, it's nice to be associated with a, a company that's in the CBD space and that knows exactly what they're talking about. They got over a hundred years of experience with the guys in the, the executive positions. They do everything in-house uh, from, from growing the hemp plant to extracting it, to running all the tests, to, to delivering the product. But the culmination of a relationship that I made when I was in, in college, and you, you tend to hold on to those because those were the fun years. And uh, this kid was a chiropractor and everything he touched turned to gold. He turned me on to a guy named Bill Margaritas, who was a high level executive at, at FedEx for years. Bill started this company. It's a brand, it's an offset called Gallant. I'm really happy with it, man. Whether it's the cream uh, for, for muscle soreness or for joint stiffness or, the, or like a roll on, or they've got uh, CBD sleep. It, it's really, it's really good, man. And for somebody who has destroyed his body throughout the years and who was never dependent on, on painkillers by any stretch of imagination, but for someone in that situation, this just gives them another choice and it's a safe choice. It's a purely natural choice and it's a company that's in the United States. So um, there are a lot of pluses. And like I said, man, it, it's been a long time since um, I, I put my name on a product, first time a nutritional product like this, and, and I'm very happy with it, and they represent me well. So onward and upward, man, everybody should try it. If you have sleep problems, you have joint issues, you have muscle soreness. I'm raising, yeah. all, I'm raising all my hands. Here. <laughs> exactly. Hey, we're over here like, box. hey, over here. <laughs> yeah, every box in my life, except for the fact that they, they do have a cream that's like a it's like a uh, it's a facial kind of facelift kind of deal. They yeah. quite obviously haven't given me that product yet, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to be reaching out for it soon. Okay, good. Well, congrats on the launch, man. It's cool. awesome. And yeah, you're right. Like if you're going to be lending your likeness or your name to anything that has to do with you know the body and like you know trying to perfect your craft, there's athletes out there. You know, that's a, if if Bill Goldberg's saying, hey. This stuff's legit. It's legit. What hurts on you, man? Like you're 55. I, this is like you know, like I know you could say everything, but I always like I know where my dad's hot spots are. I played 13 years. You played in the NFL. You were a wrestler for a long time. I don't know. I'll ask you in a bit which which industry is tougher on your body. But what hurts on you today? I'd say my left knee and my right shoulder. My uh, my shoulder. Uh, you know, the famous Jim Andrews did a reconstruction on my shoulder in 85 when I was at, at University of Georgia. And, uh, you know, that thing, whether it's the delt, whether it's the labrum that I've completely ripped off the bone, 
Um, you know, the unfortunate part is that you can't always get things fixed when you want to get them fixed. Right. Um, if a guy named Vince McMahon picks up the phone and calls me tomorrow and says, Hey, Bill, uh, can you be ready in three weeks? Well, I just can't be ready in three weeks if I just got cut off. Mm -hmm. So with, with the opportunities presenting themselves still, even at 55 years old, I can't really take time, six, eight months to sit on the shelf. Not until I'm done. Um, the injuries that I have are just being compounded by me continuing to train and continuing to go out there and wrestle at 55 years old. I mean, I took a chainsaw to my left knee, unfortunately, uh, in a, in a very strange accident, but you know, that's led to some shitty circumstances for that area of my body. You know, uh, you know was there blood? <laughs> oh, there was, was there blood? Yeah, was, <laughs> there, there was like blood. It was like a good wrestling match. Okay. But I had too much blood. Too much blood. Damn, dude. Damn, but, dude. But here's the deal. We're all we're all men here, right? Yeah. So I want you to know that I was at home by myself, and I went in. I took a shower. I had a nice little drink, a nice little meal, and did the things that you know you can't do when you're going to get cut on or get a cast put yeah. on. And then I drove myself to the hospital, and uh, the rest is his. And uh, it, like, oh and goodness. men, we do lead the league in like a mechanical injury. Like, yeah. like <laughs> so this makes sense. Even the baddest yeah. men on the planet can still fuck themselves up with with yeah. a chainsaw or whatever. But I, I kind of wonder that because you said, "Hey, when I got cut on by James Andrews in '85, like surgery has come so far since back in the day. Like when y'all played ball, or like you know, an ACL was a death sentence and that whole thing." Do you think that that's going to affect the longevity of wrestlers today or will the longevity kind of outpace the popularity of guys? Like, you know what I mean? Because I feel like back in the day, you probably had to get out after certain injuries. But today, the way that the NFL has changed, the way they handle industries, has that crossed over into wrestling and does that change the outlook for young wrestlers? It does, but it's a totally different landscape. I mean, uh -huh. you guys know, I mean, you, when your dad played, I mean, not only were the helmets still leather back then, but, <laughs> yeah. but you know, not only has the game changed exponentially, but the players have changed. Yeah. So the, the, the participants are not only smarter, but the technology is different. Training's different. You know, the house shows on the wrestling circuit are, have been cut down, you know, by far. So the, the pounding on your body isn't what it used to be when I was on the road 200 days a year. The best way I can describe wrestling is that it's like a pro football player crossed with a rock star, mm. right? So it, it takes the physicality, um, but you're also out all the time doing PR stuff and you got to be with the public and it's, you're burning candle at both ends and it's, it's, it's just tough, you know, but I, I think that, and, and look at the, look at the business itself. Look at guys like, like Hogan who could walk around the ring and, and look at the crowd and make a certain gesture and not even touch for 15 minutes and be highly entertaining. Yeah. These days, I don't think the guys have the ability to do that near as much as we did back in the day. And they supplement it with high flying moves. So their, their repertoire is always exhausted every time they go out. So, I mean, they're doing some high technical shit. Like I went to the top rope, my second match and my boss told me never do it again. <laughs> and that was the best thing that ever happened to me because it meant that I could stay on the ground the whole time. Right. right? So, I mean, and, and also at the end of the day, you look at longevity. You look at, you know, guys who are, who are busting their loads, trying to show everything in every match to, to make it to a certain level. Well, once they make it to that level, their bodies are going to be destroyed. Yeah. 
know? so it's a different entity. And I mean, it's in the, and I, I don't want to, it's tough because oh, I'm an old man and you know, back in the day, but back in the day, dudes were tougher than shit. I mean, Jack Youngblood, one of the one of my idols, my guy, love Jack football Youngblood. league, yeah. played in the freaking Super Bowl with a broken femur. Yeah, right. Now, who's going to do that these days? Yeah. So it, it's it's not apples to apples anymore. As far as the longevity thing's concerned, I just I don't think guys are going to be playing like Clay Matthews twenty one years anymore. Uh, Jackie Slater, Mike Ken, guys like that. I played with Mike Ken and Clay their 21st year, both of them on the same team. You know, I don't think that's going to be able to be replicated just because, well, and also because of the landscape. Yeah. I mean, you guys can segue to Hollywood quicker than ever before. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. How about I play so, with, with Matt Slater? Uh, Jackie's son, me and Matt. Matt's on the board of actually my foundation, so we got really tight. I love Matt. I love his dad too. That's pretty damn cool. Family. Yeah, what a great family. And then like you got to see some of that out in the beginning in in L.A. Right? Because before you were a Falcon, you were a Ram. Dude, my days in L.A. I mean, I could tell you stories about things. You know, that was when the the, the Everett Jim Rome gimmick happened. I remember we were just talking about that shit. Were we not just talking <laughs> yeah, about that we shit? You had to, yeah. I yeah, remember remember the Henley story about about the cheerleader and the, remember that one? Well, we had Eric Dickerson on recently, and I did not expect Eric Dickerson to tell us all the stories, but he just he, Eric is wide open, so he gave us an hour of like L.A. Rams confidential stuff. I was like, "Damn, I'm back behind the velvet rope." Okay, here's another one that he didn't tell you. Yes. Remember, uh, remember Bill Hawkins? Okay, Hawk played defensive end at University of uh, Miami, right? Okay. And uh, extremely long story short, we're in a defensive line meeting. Turlink was our coach at the time. And John. he's got stories behind him that are terrific. Yeah. They're highly entertaining. Uh -huh. But let, let's just say that one of the assistants came in and they handed Turlink a package. Turlink looked at it and he looked at Bill. And Bill had a bet with his sister that she wouldn't send him her placenta. <laughs> <laughs> So he gets it in a FedEx bucket. Turlink proceeds to hand it to the trainer. The trainer proceeds to take it out and bury it on the practice field. During practice, his dog is digging it up and eating. It. Okay. Hey, that's a D-line room shit, though. That only happens in a D-line room. A D-line room is like a fucking preschool where people are just picking their boogers, and there's a kid over in the corner, like, taking a shit. He's got it in his hand. Like, the, the, the teacher's like, what the fuck are we doing here? That's what the D-line room is like. Imagine being in D-line meetings with Jumpy Gathers. Yeah, I can't. Jumpy, Jumpy's the most folklorish some bitch I've ever seen and or heard of, and you can't find videos of him online. I, I've looked. I was with Chuck Smith uh, a couple weeks ago down in Atlanta, the past Russian school. I took my son down there, and we're talking about Jumpy, and he's got to be the most underrated defensive lineman in the history of the NFL. And also another key fact of playing in the late '80s, early '90s is no social media, no camera phones. Nothing. Absolutely. So like dudes were running wild and you played in LA, but then you played in Atlanta and it sounded like that group was kind of wild. Well, yeah. Pegram, Eric Pegram used to sneak me out every night. Uh, I used to carry Dion's bags. That's uh, cool, dude. Yeah, I mean, I can tell you some great stories about the, those are the Glanville days. Uh-huh. 
right? When we had uh, James Brown practicing with us, and we had MC Hammer flying to San Fran with James Brown came out. What, James Brown what, come what out position? To what position is James Brown? James Brown's dream was to run the ball in like a seven drill, right? And so. <laughs> Scott Case is in, the, obviously, the defensive backfield, and Glanville is buddy-buddy right next to him, and he's uh-huh. talking to Case, and all of a sudden, James Brown gets the ball, he breaks the line of scrimmage, nobody touches him, and Glanville walks up to Case, and he says, hit him. And Case looks at him, he goes, what, are you fucking crazy? And Glanville goes, well, yeah, I'm crazy, so hit him. He says, you don't hit him, I'm cutting you right now. So, so Case... Puts his helmet on, snaps it up, and takes a step, and Glenville grabbed him and said, man, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it was a test. <laughs> would you, killed, would you hit James Brown? <laughs> Unbelievable. Hey, yeah, dude. MC, yeah. MC Hammer loses like 10, 20 grand every time we went out to the West Coast because it was a four-hour flight to San Fran, and he and Dion would play Boo Ray the whole way. Wait, oh. MC Hammer was on those flights? <laughs> wow. Man, they were just... Atlanta was wow. a cool place to be in the early 90s, dude. Yes, it was. And Jeff George, is he on those teams? Did you play with George, Jeff George? George there, Chris Miller. Uh-huh. Uh, God, who else was the key? <laughs> who else did they have? Will you agree oh, with me? Yeah, Joe Tolliver, and then uh, Bear was there. Hebert oh. was crazy. Uh, Bear was crazy. I played with uh, one of his, either his son or his nephew, T-Bob Bear, who, uh, who actually was an LSU kid and a, a guard. Uh, yeah. That's funny, man. And will you agree with me on this that the, those were the best Falcons uniforms, like the the '90s Falcons uniforms before they changed, or do you like the new ones? Oh, I like the old ones, old yeah. school, hundred yeah. percent. Those were awesome. Yeah, you look sick. You look sick in, in in a '70s number, actually, which is hard. Like you know, what I mean, like when you get in the league first and you're young, they'll give you a number that just like fuck seventy five. I wore seventy two. I was the top five pick. <laughs> There was just too many <laughs> veterans in that room, and you know it costs to get that number. So I was yeah. like, "Fuck it, OCU Manura makes it look good." Yeah. Um, but how about um, in in LA? Was Jeff Fisher there when you were there? Because either you just missed Fish coached me for a long while. Yeah, he coached me the second year. Robinson was there uh, the first year. He cut me right on the field in pads, which was <laughs> great experience. Um, but yeah, I went back the next. I tore my hamstring in the last preseason game. And uh, they cut me, unbeknownst to me. And then, uh, you know, I, I rehabbed throughout the year. And then I went back to camp again. And they cut me again. But, yes, the second year was with Fish. Fish. Fish is my dude. He was probably wide open in the 90s in L.A. Um, yes, I- <laughs> <laughs> What do, what do you think is uh, like you know you have you have a son now I, you know I was reading a little bit about him he plays baseball he's a pretty damn good uh, baseball player which is a for me at least a football player if my son was good at baseball I'd be sighing like a big sigh of relief right I don't know how you feel about like your son getting into things that you did because you know how it feels and you also know the strains of it and like how well, that yeah, but you, but actually you should have you should have a mirror be looking in the mirror and telling me how it feels to be the son and, you know, following the yeah. footsteps. Cause I need to hear some insight what my son's feeling. Cause I, I think he pretty much hates me right now. <laughs> well, he's a teenager, right? Yeah, he's 16 years old. Okay. Yeah. yeah. He fucking hates you, but it's not personal. You're still one no. of the best dads in the world. I bet. And the I same thing know. with my dad, me and my dad used to fucking go at it, 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 you know, as a teenager, you know, I was a temperamental teenager once and, yeah, it's harder having a dad who's, who casts a big shadow. I mean, like, that's the cost of you giving your kids or your son what you never had. You know what I but mean? But were there times 
you resent that? For sure. And there's still times where I resent it. You know, when somebody wants to compare my career to his or that sort of thing, it's like, man, fuck, mine can't stand alone. It was pretty goddamn good itself. But that's going to make him tougher in whatever he does because he's going to have a a thicker skin because he's used to dealing with bullshit. When he walks in a room, people feel like they have an idea of who he is and they haven't even asked him his name yet. And I think that's going to make him stronger. And I think he's going to be able to separate those two things because it sounds like you guys have a great relationship. I never took that out on my dad. You know, my dad's one of my best friends in the world. Nate knows this. Yeah. And I love my pops. I always have. So um, I think the trials and tribulations that come with being your son or me uh, are a good thing, ultimately. I think it is. You know, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's tough right now dealing with a 16-year-old with a lot of testosterone that he's never had before. But... <laughs> Um, yeah. And, and, and I just, I mean, he's been playing football for two years too. I didn't, we moved out to Texas three years ago and I let it, didn't let him touch a weight or put a football helmet on until he was in ninth grade. Yeah, He went out like a freaking like he was shot out of a cannon, which was awesome. Yeah. And then grade his second year in pads, which was last year, he plays middle linebacker. So he had to start thinking. So he's like five seconds behind everything. Mm-hmm. So He's starting middle linebacker for the varsity the upcoming junior season. I've taken him to Atlanta to work out with Chuck Smith, and now we're working with Derek Johnson. Uh, played with UT in Kansas City for years. Great, great took, player. Took, you took him to UGA about a month ago, and he went through the strength and conditioning with the team. It was cool, man. So we can provide some opportunities that the normal human being can't provide, but – you know, um, I can't, I can lead a horse to water, but I can't make him drink, man. I can set him up in every way humanly possible, but at the end of the day, he's the one that's, that's really making it happen. So what do you think's the most important thing? Like if you could look at him in 10 years and be like, this is important that my son is this, because now I'm asking you as the dad of somebody, you know, like who, who's going to be compared to, I don't know, like me as, as, as a dad, I'm looking at my sons and I'm like, I don't need them to play in the NFL, but there are certain non-negotiables when they become a man, like who I want them to be. They don't have to be me, but they have to be something. What is that for you? I just want him to treat people like he wants to be treated, period. End of story. He's a great kid. He really is. You know, it evens out because I'm a, I'm a, I'm a prick. And then my, my wife's awesome. Ex-stunt woman, ex-model, you know, she's Canadian, so she's chill. And so, you know, he's got a real soft side to him, but he also has a little bit of an edge. So the, the, the beauty of me as a human is that I think that I have a wide range. You know, I can go speak on Capitol Hill about dogfighting and cockfighting, and yet I can go out and rip someone's face off in three seconds, you know, in the wrestling ring and provide as much blood as, as necessary. Um, so it's, it's range. And so... I'd love for Gage to be able to, you know, knock the running back out and then pick him up afterwards, right? Have the compassion for, for other humans that, that needs to be shown at any level and every level, no matter who and or what you are. So as long as he treats people like he wants to be treated, man, that, that, that means I'm a success. I, you, that's so fucking awesome. I mean, because uh, we were just talking about this the other day, like being a man to me is about being able to do all that badass stuff, but you don't have to walk around like it. You Absolutely. Know? You know what I'm saying? Like that, that, yeah. those are the men that I really respect is like, man, I know what he can do, but he doesn't, everything's not a nail just cause you have a hammer. 
Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? So that, I, I think that's awesome. He's probably going to be I awesome. Play, that's why I can play uh, Coach Nick on the Goldbergs, right? Because <laughs> I have a sense of humor and I don't have a problem <laughs> emasculating myself because it's done every day. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, you're so, damn right. You're damn but, right. But if somebody cuts me off, then, you know, I'll, yeah, I'll do my, I'll be me. Yeah, right? you'll so, be it, you. <laughs> is, that, is that one of your biggest ticks getting cut off? Like, like no, road. I can't say that now because I'm up for a hosting gig for a show called uh, Road Rage. So oh, wow. I, I, I thought it was actually about me, but it, they want me to host it. So I, <laughs> that, that was a pleasant fucking surprise, wasn't it? <laughs> like, holy shit, they saw me in traffic. Nah. Look at that. How, so, how bad a Road Rage do you have to land a hosting deal? Well, Road Rage is scary now, dude. I saw somebody dump 14 rounds into somebody's car the other day out of nowhere over some words. It's man. Ter- oh, my it's God. It's terrifying, especially living in texas and knowing that every single human being's got a gun and my son just gets his license a month ago and you know he sees how i drive and how my wife drives and i mean we drive a tiny bit faster than the normal human being but but at the the end of the day you know i mean it's about experience i can drive the way that i drive because of what i've done you married a stunt woman. That's a great segue to marrying a stunt woman. Did you meet her on a on a set, or do you yeah. guys run into each other like a like you're comparing notes on how to do backflips and shit, or what? What's going no, on? No, she got talked into doing this movie. Uh, I'll come clean with it. She saw she she thought she was doing a movie with Jeff Goldblum. Nice. Okay. And she showed up, and it was Bill Goldberg. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's so great. That's her. How about that? Isn't Goldblum the guy in, in Jurassic Park? Total opposites. Yes. yes. Yeah. She, she was like, she was like, oh, this is the T Rex. Now where's Jeff Goldblum? Like, this is one like, of the scary. She's. She probably see like, damn, Jeff is big Jeff's in real life, bro. That's and so the, good, dude. The, the plus was that I was dressed up like Santa Claus the first time we met. Right. So. Like, I, I can tell you so many stories, dude. It's I mean, my, good, my, my assistant and I flew up to Saskatchewan two weeks early so that we could assemble all of the girls for the strip club scene. <laughs> and we get to the day where we sh- we're shooting, we get in the room, and everyone's naked except for one girl, and she's sitting over there in the corner. And I asked my assistant to go over and see what was up with her, and he comes back and says, that's the stunt girl, and... The rest is history. The one <laughs> of the 50 that didn't have her clothes off is the, is the one that I went after. So look at that. Look You're a good that. man, dude. What I'm learning about, I'm not, they say never meet your heroes. Like, nah, this is cool. When you're building a dream team, great scouts can help you find the future MVPs first. To hire great talent faster, you need Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Find great talent faster through time-saving tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. With Instant Match, over 80% of employers get quality candidates whose resume on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because with virtual interviews, Indeed saves you time. You can message, schedule, and interview top talent seamlessly all in one place. Even better, Indeed's the only job site where you pay for applications that meet your must-have requirements. Indeed is the unbelievably powerful hiring partner, delivering four times more hires than all other job sites combined, according to Talent Nest 2019. Sign up for Indeed now and get $75 credit towards your first sponsored job. Plus, 
Earn up to $500 extra in sponsored job credits with Indeed's virtual interviews. Visit Indeed.com slash BlueWire to learn more. Claim your credits at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Is there a story behind the tattoo? And as a wrestling fan, it's something that I guess maybe other other people think about this, but why only one tattoo? Why wasn't like you were a wrestler, your body's kind of like a canvas. You would think after one, hey, maybe he'll get more tattoos. Was there a reason why you, you, you didn't go that route? Uh, I can't be buried in a Jewish cemetery. Let's just say that. That's true, all, yeah. Or my ink. Um, so I might as well just go overboard and go from one end of the spectrum to the next and get a sleeve. That's what I'd like to do is I don't like to get a sleeve. But, you know, like I said, Vince could call tomorrow and I'd, I'd be wrestling mid-tattoo. But, yeah. you know, I, I saw a guy with a tattoo very similar to this on some movie and I screenshot it and I kept it for about two years. And then I got done with the Falcons and I'm like, you know what, man, I'm going to, you know, I'm just going to go a different look and I'm just going to be me. Right. And so I had the guy freehand draw it after about six shots of tequila <laughs> and uh, whatever he came up with turned out to be terrific because it fit my arm. And, and I, I liked it, man. You know, it's a little archaic now, but then I followed it up with that one, you know, oh, a couple yeah. years afterwards, and, you know, uh, uh, I don't know. I may, I may just, tattoo my entire body face yeah one day one day i mean nice. yeah what do you remember what movie it was that somebody had that that bad boy in yeah it was cool it was it was uh actually it was pretty funny because when we did this movie called ready to rumble when i was at wcw and it was actually john cena's first movie he was an extra um <laughs> there was a kid that was in the ring who was a muay thai who was a kickboxer and he and it was him he had the freaking tattoo no shit and I actually told him the story that, you know, I, I got it because of him. Well, not because of him, but I got it <laughs> yeah. because, because of the tattoo. But it, it was pretty pretty cool how that came full circle. Your brand as a wrestler, it's interesting because, like, the number one thing that stands out to me is you go with your name. And, you, you know, you're not dressing yourself up with a lot of crazy shit, which I think some of that's cool. But I thought you were real, like, uh, kind of what you see is what you get. What was the intentionality behind all that? Shortest distance between two points is a straight line and less, less is more, right? I wanted to be the Mike Tyson of, of wrestling. I wanted everything that people saw to speak for itself. I didn't, I didn't talk for the first six months. I just, I, I thought that I could provide a character similar to throwing Romans to the lions, right? You don't know what you're going to get, but you better stay tuned at the, at the edge of your seat because it's not going to take long and it's going to be fucking violent. Mm. And so you know, those that, and mixed martial arts was becoming a thing back then. I went to the first, I don't know, seven or eight UFCs, um, got to be friends with a lot of the guys that were pioneers of the business. And, uh, I, I idolized them and I, I love martial arts and I started studying, you know, tape after tape after tape and started taking classes with people. Then I opened the MMA gym in Atlanta after the Falcons and, um, so I, I just, I wanted simplicity. I wanted simple, but yet I wanted, I wanted range. I, I, I wanted a quiet guy to come out there. And then I wanted hell to break loose when the, when the bell rang. So you were doing MMA when, um, was Lex Luger and Sting found you, right? Yeah. So they, they just walk into an MMA gym or they kind of like, how does that work when they go out? Well, it's probably different now, but in the nineties, I did I would love to see a documentary about how they found wrestlers. 
Well, I found them actually because when I was at the Falcons, there was a, a there was a gym called Main Event Fitness. Got it. And that's where I trained every day. And Lex and Sting owned it. Mm-hmm. That's when you know. I mean, I had seen the guys out, you know, playing with the Falcons, man, and, and the uh, the wrestlers WCW being in Atlanta. I mean, those guys were out every night, and yeah. we were out just about every night that we could get out. <laughs> and Atlanta back in the eighties and the nineties was the place to be. Yeah. So. Um, I, I'd rubbed shoulders with them many times before, you know, it's, uh, it, it wasn't a natural progression by any stretch yeah. of imagination, but it was something that I had worked my, my entire life on. Right. And so why not lend it to something that I could make more money than I did my entire career in the first six months in the NFL. You know? Who's the scariest guy you've trained MMA with? Cause you're a badass off out of the ring in your own right. You're like a black belt, right? And BJJ and like you're a bunch of other stuff I bet, but that's fucking scary. Who's the, sc- well, it's well, you're a big guy to be that good at it. I mean, like I used to, I used to work uh, with a company called glory kickboxing and yeah. they have, they have arguably the best stand-up fighters in the world. And I got the opportunity. I, I used to co-own a, a Muay Thai kickboxing gym out in San Diego. And that's a huge passion of mine is, is Muay Thai kickboxing. And so I got the opportunity to fly to to uh, Amsterdam and train with Rico Verhoeven, their, their, exi- their, their current uh, heavyweight champion. And uh, that dude's that dude's unbelievable. There's some scary guys out there. I mean, I when Kimbo Slice was alive, I trained with Kimbo. And mm. Ooh, what was that like? It was it was wild, man. It, I was severely out of shape at the time, <laughs> but but it, it was cool, man. Just to be able to train with Dustin Poirier, you know, uh, Ivan Salaveri, you know, yeah. Bob Sat, guys like Don Fry, the guys who pretty much put MMA on on the docket you know the guys mark coleman the guys are walking around now where they can barely walk around right now but it was an honor and a privilege to learn from those guys boss root you know the original badasses who did this stuff you know way back in the day when there weren't rules yeah back in the day when they were wearing like geese and shit into the ring like you've got some oh, of you the, had, you had, yeah dude it was your eyes you could kick him in the nuts you could do just about anything what about Kimbo? Did Kimbo ever talk about when he fought that cop in Boston? Like they like had him into the precinct and they just like the biggest cop in Boston that could beat like the most people up. They were like, let's just get this Kimbo guy up here and just see what happens. They fought for like, like a, 60 minutes. 60, uh, it felt like 60 time. minutes. It bro. was like a long, it was a long video. I remember <laughs> oh my God, dude. they were like, like gassed out. And that's the tired, <laughs> that's the tired part of fighting. Right? Like, and that's what comes into play a lot for MMA guys is like, it's it's a it's like the endurance is out of control. The only time I ever got really tired in my pro career, like where I was this close to quitting, was when Jay Haran, who um, who's a stunt guy and does um, what, Jay's a good one. You know Jay, yeah. So Jay came out to train a group actually through Jay Glazer, <laughs> another Jay, who's your friend, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but Jay Haran came out to train us, and I was like, you're just on the edge of quitting the whole time. I mean, the, the, the fatigue is, is half the battle. I mean, forget about like getting well, punched in the face. So, so could you imagine being that fatigued and being out there fighting on national television? I mean, no. So the level of cardio you have to have is unbelievable associated with the amount of stress that you're putting yeah. your body mentally and physically. I mean, it's a, it's amazing to see some of those guys go out there and just treat it like a job. Could anybody be like, I don't want to say anybody because what Brock Lesnar's done has been amazing. Like, at first you're like no way a wrestler's gonna all of a sudden take this shit over but 
could with y'all's genetics and your training and just your backgrounds, do you think it was a matter of somebody had to apply themselves to be that great? And it was just whoever decided to do that from wrestling, like were there other guys oh, that you think could have done what Brock did or is Brock just well, there's, different? There, there's a handful of guys who could have done it throughout the years. I mean, there's, you can pick a couple old school guys, Ming and Barbarian, those mm. two guys, I would have put them in the ring with anybody. But as far as picking and choosing, you know, one or two guys or, or a handful of guys that are professional wrestlers that could segue, there's no way humanly possible that they could do it. Just having the wrestling background, they have to have, I mean, because Brock, he's a, he was a guy who never aspired to be a professional wrestler by any stretch of the imagination. He talked down on it. Right. But when it becomes an opportunity, you know, to put food on the table, you have to look at it as a reality. But he was a, he was a life wrestler. You know, yeah. I mean, he did that for his entire life. When he was a little kid, that's all he did was wrestling, throw dudes around for his entire life. And that's one of the best bases for a mixed martial artist. You know, is to have the ability to take people down at will. So I, I, I think it had to be a special individual like a Brock Lesnar. I mean, Chad Gable and, and the guys who who you believe could do it are the guys with the wrestling pedigree. So four people, Dark Alley, WWE, WWF guys that you're like out of the ring. I know like the characters, but guys that if you're caught in a dark alley that Goldberg wants with them. You, did you name two of them? And hundred percent, Ming and Barbarian, and I'd I'd have Brock a thousand percent. I'd have Paul White, the Giant, because he's seven foot, five hundred pounds. So that in <laughs> itself is fairly intimidating. <laughs> and would dudes ever try guys like? Because y'all went out to the bar a lot and hung out. I heard you know people had a great time, and it was like a brotherhood. You know, you guys are on the road two hundred days a year, or whatever. Like you go out to a bar, are people picking wrestlers to fuck with. No, no, I mean, there'll be some drunk asshole in the corner every once in a while, but there's a a famous story out there when Ric Flair and Ming got taken out of a nightclub and it took 13 cops to get Ming outside and they they pepper sprayed him and he laughed at him and broke the cuffs and all kind of shit, but, you know, I don't know, some of it's probably been inflated, but... It's probably not. The stories that we haven't heard are probably even crazier. Yeah. Speaking of fans and like like drunk fans coming up to you, the PGA stunt was that was that like a paid stunt or oh, that, that was that, funny that, when that, you threw that, that guy in the lake? Was that, that real? Wasn't, that wasn't real, was it? Okay, well here's no, it was not. Um, <laughs> here's the deal: you guys play in these celebrity golf tournaments, uh-huh. right? And I'm not the best golfer by any. <laughs> I'm an entertainer, right? Yeah. So so before every tournament, I stop by the local pro shop and buy some gimmick clubs, right? Mm-hmm. Some clubs that I just snap. And I end up signing them and handing them out to people in the gallery, Love right? the marketing. Love it. The shop pro or whatever comes up to me and he goes, oh, man, can we please do something? And I'm just like, okay, let's figure something out. So. <laughs> Yes, it was pre-planned. Okay, That's yeah, awesome. I kind of had a feeling. That was a throw. That was a far, that was throw, a far throw. And there were rocks the, down there. The rocks. Did you know there were rocks down there when you threw them? <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> oh, oh, he could have hit the rocks, yeah. dude. <laughs> my heart almost jumped right out of my chest when he didn't clear it, but more than by a chance. <laughs> I thought I was going to be sued. It watching, was all going to be on national television. Watching that video is what made me think, like, hey, is this real or not? Because he was <laughs> really close to that rock. Yeah, and dude. if he was, yeah. that looks scary. We had never gone through the throw before. So the timing, you know, you guys know this. Yeah. Timing is everything. 
right? Yeah. So if he takes off before I launch him, it's like a wrestling move. It's a, it's a dance. So with the wrestling moves, were there, I mean, was it tough, like, rehearsing and, like, how much of it was off the cuff in the ring? You know, like, you guys would have it planned out and choreographed, but then is there, like, also a little freestyling? Well, yeah, when you walk into the room and your your opponent is Hulk Hogan and you ask him what you're going to do in the match and he goes, ah, don't worry, kid, we'll, we'll call it in the ring. <laughs> uh, not always like that, by any means. That was the only time I was ever like that. You know, Flair did that to me a couple times, but you know, it's all based on who your who your opponent is. Because at the end of the day, truthfully, your opponent is no more no more than a dance partner, right. and yeah. you have to work in sync, man, to to put on a great show. And these guys are great athletes, and they're they're tough kids and tough. You know, they're 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 great at what they do. I mean, it's 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 grown exponentially since I broke into the business. And another thing that you said earlier that was really interesting was that now they do flips and you guys were more on the ground and it's like football, football's changing. There's a lot of like gymnastic background looking dudes that like they know how to jump off the, like they probably train in gymnastic centers now. I mean, I, I bet. I would like, think so. yeah. yeah, I would think like down at the training facility, uh, I'm sure that they have the ability to practice anything that they want, whether there's a pommel horse or mm -hmm. a set of uneven bars down there. I don't, I don't know but you know it's all it's all on your character and it's all um it's it's a package man and you try to stay within your your realm and i i the only dream i ever had was to play professional football and so i carried much of that into the wrestling ring as humanly possible so it was, it was an extension of my true self yeah uh, how about the character and like you were more yourself but they definitely write things in for you that maybe you're like, man, I don't feel like fucking doing that tonight. Like, or like, I don't want to be the heel. Like when you had to become a heel and all that stuff, like, are there meetings? You know how they show you at the end of Game of Thrones, like everybody sitting in the room and when they tell you who dies, everybody's like, motherfucker. And people are like, <laughs> like, is it like that in y'all's meeting rooms? It, it is to an extent. I mean, and, and also it's dependent upon the relationship. It's like a relationship with a head coach, yeah. right? Or a defensive coordinator, right? So you can eloquate to them how you're feeling, or you can try to put a front up, mm. you know, you can play them while they're trying to play you, or you can work in conjunction. And, you know, the older you get, the longer you're in the business, things come easier in that you can eloquate your feelings a lot more and with a lot less on the line, because I've, I've kind of done it all, you know? And um, I, I have always professed to be a wrestler, not a booking agent. Right. So when, when I walk in on my birthday uh, in 97 or whenever the hell it was, and they beat me for the first time after I was on a winning streak of 150,000 and nothing, you know, you would have thought that I would have walked in there and said, absolutely not. It's my winning streak and it's on my freaking birthday. Have a little respect, mm -hmm. but Hey, it's a business, man. It's all, it's all predicated on the storyline and you can't take it seriously. You really can't. You were talking about legends a little bit earlier. Hulk Hogan's come up like Andre, the giant's a guy that I've always wanted to know. Could he really drink as much beer <laughs> as they said he could? I think he probably could drink more. I never got to meet him, yeah. but I've heard all the stories and, uh, you know, it's just the people hear all that stuff, but they never really realized how much in pain that dude was. Yeah. You know, I mean, could you imagine how tough it is for us to fly on a commercial, on a commercial <laughs> the dude's three times as wide as we are. Jesus. I mean, he was, the guy was 500 pounds, it was huge. And 
the pain that he had to endure every day. I wish he had the gallant CBD line of product. Yo, you're right. You're right. If he'd have had some CBD, maybe he wouldn't have been in the back of the van with Jake the Snake. Jake the Snake said they put a beanbag back there, and Jake was like tasked with you know chaperoning him yeah. like to and from this event. It was an 85 mile drive, right? So this, so he just had a beanbag in the back of this van, which I'm imagining is like an Econo line van or something. Yep. Like it's come a long way, and uh, motherfucker just sits back there and he says beer. So Jake's like, all right, I'll pull over and get some beer. He's like, how many? He's like, two cases. And he's like, what the fuck? So so they go 85 miles. He drinks 48 beers and doesn't stop to piss, bro. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so this guy was like an absolute <laughs> just machine. He didn't piss. Yeah. yeah. Well, right. well, Jake said he went back there and, and checked. He was feeling around all afraid. He wanted to confirm <laughs> that he really drank 48 beers. He said it was just... Back there, just every two minutes, different twelve ounce are gone, dude. Um, all right, so how about like the social scene for y'all, like the plane rides? Did y'all fly on the same planes, like around and everything? Was there like a you know one jumbo jet that took everybody? Would dudes play cards? Was there good camaraderie? Did it feel like a team? The best way I could describe describe the wrestling business for me was being a college football player walking into a frat party. Yeah, yeah. So if that doesn't explain to you right there, it does. unless you're, you were in the fraternity and you played both sides. But we, 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 the, we, the we did a little Greek life. We did a little Greek yeah, life. Yeah, the uncomfortableness that I felt, you know, being with the wrestling scene as opposed to the football scene, it just wasn't the same by any stretch of the imagination. Everybody was so much more of an individual because you're, you're fighting for your own survival. Yeah. You know, so it's weird. I had, there was a defensive lineman, uh, for the Rams that didn't want to get close to me because he knew I was going to get cut. Right. So you get a little bit of that going and you got a lot of egos going. And I mean, Hey, there's some great people in the wrestling business. Don't get me wrong, but you know, it's a, it's a doggy dog world. And so like when we'd go to Saudi for those trips twice a year, we'd go do an event over there. They still do. Then yes, we're all on the same plane. Um, other than that, people fly in from all different mm. parts of the country, all different parts of the world at this point. And so, no, we're not on charters together anymore, except for, you know, UK, I would imagine they went to yeah. on a charter. Wow. Um, it's just not the same. It's, it's really not. Now, back in the day when I used to drive with the Steiner brothers and, and uh, oh, my God, Kurt Hennig and, and Kevin Nash, I mean, that was more reminiscent of what we remember the NFL days being like, because you're, I mean, you you were around men's men. I mean, it's just a different undertaker came out and mentioned about how the locker room was back when he was there and how it is now and how they compare and contrast. And they're just different, man. One's not better than the other. It's just, well, one is better than the other. If you ask me, but (laughs) uh, you know, it's just a different day, a different time, a different athlete. How hard is it? Like, I feel like we go through this a little bit and all these like parallels between wrestling and football, the way the game changed, the way it's probably less tight knit. I mean, like less veterans in today's NFL. It's also one of the parallels for me is uh, I look at some of the struggles that guys have had outside the ring, you know, like after they're done and how hard that that's probably got to be for you to see some of your friends, you know, fall by the wayside or, you know, run into tough health issues or problems in their lives that we we see the same thing in football yep how do you how does that make you feel and like what what could be done so that guys struggle less 
Union. Union. That's it. That's the yeah. difference, right? I mean, you got guys who unfortunately make bad decisions or unfortunately in, in not favorable situations, both in the wrestling world and in the professional sports world, i.e. football. Um, it, it sucks in both entities, but you have the support staff in football to at least reach out to an organization that has your best interest in mind, right? You don't have that in the wrestling world and you don't have people checking on you all the time in the wrestling world. You really don't. Yeah. So it's a, it's a, it's a sharp freaking curve, man. And that, that ledge is really deep in the wrestling world. You look at a lot of the guys, they, you know, unfortunately didn't save their money properly and, you know, are in very bad situations right now, but look at the NFL. That's kind of the same way. Yeah. But, in the NFL, if you don't reach out and get help, it's your fault yeah. to an extent because there is somewhere to go. There's right? a hotline. So, there are people to talk to and that sort of thing. But I think a lot of it falls on us, you know, like reaching out to our guys, like trying to call one buddy every couple weeks and just check in or whatever. Or like if you yeah. get that, if yeah, if you get that text, that's like you can tell somebody's not doing great. Like what's the follow up on my end? I might be running around with my kids. I got a life of my own, but. Yeah can I take like 30 minutes to call and just catch up with a guy? Cause you never know how, that's another thing. We're so fucking macho, dude. You know, the thing we talked about earlier, everybody's got to put this front on because in our last job, and that's another hard thing about the adjustment is like every day your masculinity was on the line. Mm -hmm. So, so like you're, you're so conditioned to like, I'll fix my own problems. You mm -hmm. know, like I'm not going to go anywhere for help. So you don't know how close somebody is to the ledge. Absolutely. And they're everywhere. I guarantee you. And, you know, as a, as an organization, as a, as a veteran, as somebody who, you know, has made their mark, it's our responsibility to check on everyone else. It just is as a human being, it's our responsibility and as a friend, you know, so I think that's the camaraderie shift that the NFL has that the wrestling business doesn't have to the, to that degree. Right. Right. It, it, it is present. Don't get me wrong, right. but not to the degree the NFL looks after each other. You know? Is there anybody you're more shocked to see where they are now than than uh, the mayor of Knox County, uh, Tennessee? Isn't that isn't that Kane? Yeah, but you know, Kane's a smart dude, man. <laughs> I wouldn't have guessed that for a million bucks. I really wouldn't. But. <laughs> but it's the wrestling business, man. Anything can happen. Yeah. It's true. Anybody who's been in the business has the ability to go sideways at one, one time. <laughs> one, right. And that's the excuse for, Oh, he used to be a wrestler. There you go. Well, that explains everything. Yeah. Yeah. And were you ever afraid when you finished? I mean, you, you seem to people say, Hey, you seem to be doing a great job with your transition, but along the lines of what we just talked about, you never know if you're actually doing a great job with it. You might be, you know, going a thousand miles an hour trying to balance everything, and it looks like you're sticking the landing, but it's hard. Were you ever afraid of that ledge? Every day. Well, I'm always afraid of it. You know, you're only as good as your next job. I can't, I'm not going to rely upon what I did back in the day. No. Surely what I did back in, you know, 20, 30 years ago when I was on top. You're only as good as your next job, your next game, your next rep. Um, I, I, I'm a perfectionist. I like to keep myself in a high standard in everything that I do. Um, so continuing to, at 55 years old, to try to be the best at whatever I'm applying myself to, you know, that's a mindset. You know, it really is. And uh, that, that, that's another thing that I hope my son learns from me is that, 
you know, whatever you do, you got to apply a thousand percent of your energy towards it. Never give up. Never get under a bar you don't think you can lift. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Especially if you don't have any pecs like me. Yeah, that's a good. <laughs> hey, God did not bless this? me with the pecs. I, I walk into the Rams my first day. It was off season training. Everybody had left the gym except for one guy who's back in the corner, and I can't see him, but I can hear him. And all I hear are weights just crashing. And I walk closer, and I walk closer, and it was a guy named Joe Malenichek. Yeah, Joe Malenichek was from Wisconsin, and he was, you know, an offensive lineman. And you know how Wisconsin is for farming offensive linemen and and weightlifting too. <laughs> this fucker was curling three fifteen for reps. <laughs> Damn. Get out of here, dude. Just signed as an 11th round draft pick, and that's the guy I'm going against every oh, day. Look this guy I was like 415 or something like that. Oh, my God, dude. Yeah. Look at this oh guy. Yeah, he played for the Chargers, too. Doesn't even – his biceps aren't even that big looking. Nope, but he had the barrel chest from hell. The dude was humongous. Those are the guys that you're like, fuck, man, who is that guy? I need to do a little <laughs> reading on him. I'm going to see him at practice. So, yeah. uh, so – what movies did you turn down? I know what movies you've been in. Have you turned what stuff have you turned down after wrestling that you were like, yeah, I just couldn't do it? Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> did you really? <laughs> that was bigger. That you, was a big. You'd have probably won that. Yeah, that's what my wife thinks, but there's no way. And being on national television, my underwear is a lot less emasculating than it is dancing on television. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Really? If you can't, I don't know that you can't dance, but I can't dance, and I wouldn't do it in front of, I would rather walk out on stage naked than dance. But he just said wrestling is like having a dance partner, so it would have been the same thing. But it's cool. No, but you can't clothesline your dance partner. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> you clothesline one of those nice ladies, you would lose. I'm done. Hey, what if he just snapped into the other dancing? Like he just, he was like, fuck. Um, what was it like working with John Claude Van Damme? That's what I, because you were in Universal Soldier. Uh, what's up was, with, like, is he a total badass in real life? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I weighs 160. Yes. <laughs> Something like that. I yeah. mean, yeah. Hey, you know as well as I do, it's easier to have a six pack if you're 160 than if you're 260, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. there are a lot of guys walking around ripped, shredded, you know, can kick above, do the splits that, you know, that are middleweights or lightweights, you know, a lot more of those guys than the, than the big guys. But Van Damme was awesome. He was cool at the time. He was, uh, I was very excited to work with him. As far as stunts are concerned, he was flabbergasted when I wanted him just to kick me as hard as he could in the chest. <laughs> He's like, no, we have a stunt. I'm like, no, just fucking nail me. Just please just lay it in. Cause that's the best way that I can act because I can react to it. Uh -huh. So I didn't think that he had that experience prior. To How that did it movie. feel? But, yeah. Oh, it was great. It was awesome. It was a good I kick. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, good. If you're here in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, or right here in Virginia, and you haven't tried the WinBet app yet, I have great news for you. WinBet is now offering $200 in free bets for new users. That's right, $200, 200 big ones on a $50 bet. WinBet is basically giving you free money. Don't turn that down. Don't pass that up. Download the WinBet app today.
Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older and present in a state where WinBet is available. Gambling problem? In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia, call 1-800-GAMBLER. And in Michigan, 1-800-270-7117. Tennessee, y'all too. 1-800-889-9789. And then last movie question. Longest yard here. So, longest yard... Uh, what's that set like? Cause I'm some of the names in this movie are amazing. I mean, not just the athletes. You got R- Romanowski, Bosworth. You've got Kevin Nash. You got Chris Rock. You have Adam Sandler. You have Burt Reynolds. Like what? The, what's that like on set, dude? Man, they had. All I can say is they had like a group of extremely hot girls walking around <laughs> with protein shakes, sushi all kind of anything we wanted to eat. Um, the atmosphere was unbelievable. Having Romo and Bosworth and Irvin there and then Nelly and then Chris Rock and Adam Sadler and Burt Reynolds. Yeah. I mean, I'd never worked with Burt before. And my wife had worked with him many times before. And I walked up and I introduced myself and we spoke for a second and he, and I walked off and he goes, Hey Goldberg. And I turned around and he goes, you know what? I respected you before, but now that I know you're going out with brown eyes and you married her, then I really respect you. <laughs> you're like, I don't know what to uh, say to that. Thank you. Further yeah. emasculated again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, it was awesome, man. For me, it was a dream come true because I got to play football again. Forget the fact that it was the coolest movie. It was my favorite movie, but I got to put pads on again and I used to, I got to hit. So we had a bunch of arena guys playing, you know, all the extra positions. And so I'd fight with them every day. We'd do one-on-ones. I don't know. I was 80. That's what I was about to ask. I was about to ask. I felt like I was, you know, 25 playing football again, man, jumping over the line and hitting them with the brass nuts and, I did. I didn't let a freaking double do any of the football stuff. That's that's so awesome. completely different than everyone else on the. Movie. <laughs> did you did you get involved in any of the basketball, the big basketball scene in that movie? Were those guys? Were those guys? Was there any of those guys that were really good, or any of the guys that were just like <laughs> it was all acting? For... Dude, Sadler plays basketball every day on yeah. set. Yeah. Like every day, that kid can shoot. But uh, no, I wasn't there. I was. Just, I think that was the week off I had. I. I wrote in my contract that they had to give me a week off for Sturgis for the motorcycle oh, the, the ride. bike week. Oh, wow. Yeah. You got a bike? Uh, I got seven of them. But okay, yeah. yeah, he's got a problem. All right, so Dr. Fax has some quick hitters, and then we're going to let you get out of here. Uh, I guess the first one is car-related. Yep, it's, yeah. it's, I heard you're a big car guy, and I will want to ask, what car is to say going going into your will that you're never going to sell you're never getting rid of if you had one car or two cars in your arsenal that you think that there's no price no one can ever You got to be buried in anything. one. You have to be buried in one cuz I have one that I'm actually really going to get buried in. <laughs> okay. I don't know, man, because I don't I mean I've got I've got a, a 1970 Boss 429 Mustang that's called the Lawman. Mm. And it was campaigned over in Vietnam during the war. Oh. And it, it means a lot to me as an American. Uh, I, I'm, I'm fully supportive of all of our veterans. And it's the only one left. It's the only automatic Boss 429 in the world. If you Google it, it's called the Super Boss Lawman. It's got like 800 miles on it. The car is worth millions of dollars. But as, a, as an American... You know, red blooded American, rah rah. You know, I mean, <laughs> it's the it's the badass car to have. But yeah, um, I mean, if I had a McLaren, a '94 McLaren F1, I'd be buried in that someday. Damn that that, that thing looks fast. That they just pulled nice. up your uh, yeah. Holy hell! 
And that's the only one in the world. I mean, it's it's it, it was seen by over 300,000 servicemen over in Vietnam. And the story behind it is, you know, the, the guy was a drag racer and he was a corporate lawyer and he was tired of seeing men and women coming back and spending 3,500 bucks for a 400 horsepower motor and them killing themselves after they just fought for our country. So he, he and Ford put the Ford Performance Driving Tour together and they flew all these vehicles to Vietnam. And uh, mine was the parade vehicle. One of them got crushed, pushed overboard, and then I've got the only one left. Wow, they really brought all those. I'd never heard that story. Yeah, it's a really patriotic story. It's badass. And the cool thing, when I used to live out in San Diego, I used to live near Camp Pendleton. And I put it on a trailer and I put, put it in the parking lot when all the white buses would come in from deployment. Mm-hmm. And I met, I'd say, four or five kids that fathers were in the Vietnam War that had pictures in their garage of them sitting in that car. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. Well, that's a good question, facts. Yeah. I, I top that. <laughs> I got one. <laughs> okay, I got, I got one more. So um, I read that you did some commentary work for MMA promotion, Pride Fighting. Do you have any memories or what's your best memory of switching over being a commentator watching the fight rather than being the person in the fight being commentated on well i also commentated for showtime and the i guess the i was not a good commentator by <laughs> because i'm a fan and it's hard for me to distinguish one between the other right and so when something happens and i'm excited i get excited i.e brock lesnar's first mma match I was commentating it with Mauro Ronaldo, mm-hmm. and when Brock won, I jumped up, threw my freaking headsets <laughs> off, screaming, ah! <laughs> and I'm like, oh, shit, sorry about that. <laughs> you know, so I, I wasn't a good commentator, man, by any stretch. That's but, so yeah. good. I'll have to pull that tape up, man. Yeah, no, this, is, this is good. I, uh, th- man, this was a lot of fun. Thanks for the time. Anything I can ever do, man, It's a, it was an honor and privilege to be on the show, man. Dude. I'm a huge and both you guys, your dad, please give him a, a, a hello for me. I will. It, I will. Uh, yeah. You know, you, you guys, uh, you guys do it right, man. I, Thanks, uh, I'm, I'm a big fucking fan. Big Thanks, fan. So if anything that I can ever do for you, man, please don't hesitate to reach hey, out. Not that we could do anything for you, but the, the feelings mutual, and we really appreciate it, man.